cinema it's nice to be back I, for, I had almost forgotten the name of the show i yeah i know our, our muscle memory has to start all over again we um it has been okay i was just thinking about this when we started this podcast yes it was november of 2010 mm-hmm. and then your book came out right and you spent most of December on a book tour and we didn't do like any episodes. <laughs> like we started the we podcast. We really planned this out. Well. Yeah. We started this podcast. We go like two, three weeks and then boom, a month or five weeks with no episodes. Yeah. This is how you build an audience. This kids. is, <laughs> this break is our biggest gap. Since is the then. biggest gap since then. It was entirely unplanned. Yeah. Um, we, uh, in case you don't know, Alonzo went on a little work trip to Greenville, South Carolina. I, I, by the way, my name is Dave White. I'm a film critic for The Rap. Yes. I'm and Alonzo Duralde. I'm a film critic for The Rap. This I is the show. I various other podcasts. That's so right. We're husbands and all that. Okay. Alonzo goes out of town on a work trip to the, what was it again? Bramblefest. Bramblefest with his his buddies the Deck of the Hallmark uh, people you gonna make that flappy flap fan noise for an hour? Uh, it's that or uh, pass out of the heat you tell me. you're not gonna pass out of the heat it's not hot the heat but waves it's, over it's, but it's a wet heat. it is <laughs> humid <laughs> I grew up in the southeast but I've totally the lost heat, my ability to cope the, with the this. brutal Los Angeles and all of California heat wave has ended but it only ended because a hurricane blew through and rained on everything and now we've got like steam mm. <laughs> for like the next 24 hours anyway you got off to Greenville South Carolina Bring that COVID home. Three days after you come home, you test positive for COVID. And I remember thinking, oh no. <laughs> because uh, it, uh, to, to be this fair. The funniest thing is all the people who said to me, well, are you guys going to isolate? And I'm like, how? <laughs> Our apartment's not that big. How, how does that happen? To be fair, so, I, the, the only time I was unmasked in Greenville was around the other people who that I was on stage with, the Deck the Hallmark people and other yes. cast and guests of the show, Yes, and none of them got sick. Here's what I love, though. The minute we posted about it on, on any kind of social media, uh-huh. there were some folks who chimed in who were like, I saw those pictures of Alonzo without a mask on, and I was like, that's right. That's right. I had a mask on the whole time. That's right. Except when I was on stage with other people who didn't get COVID. Someone, so, someone 
someone I freelanced it somewhere became an anti-masker while he was uh, gone. My, here's he was a scoff law about masks. Look, my new theory is the last thing I did before really feeling sick and then testing positive was seeing Don't Worry Darling. <laughs> so I'm just going to go with seeing Don't Worry Darling gave me COVID. We'll talk about that when it opens. Olivia. <laughs> Another problem. <laughs> For Olivia Wilde, she gave Alonzo COVID. That's right. Um, so, I'm thinking, oh, okay. Here it comes. You're next. <laughs> and I was. Yeah. Uh, three days after you. Tested positive. You immediately got on Paxlovid. Yes. The doctors are like, oh, yes, we're putting you on Paxlovid. I go to my e-visit with the doctor like, no, we are not putting you on well, Paxlovid. Because you barely had any symptoms. My symptoms were not, well... I didn't have the symptoms that everyone is afraid of. Sure. You didn't I, have anything bronchial going I had, I had the, I have to go lie down and sleep for 18 hours. Yes. Symptom. I had that one where it just knocks you down and mm -hmm. you feel like you can't get up for several days. It was weird. Like, I, I didn't, I barely coughed. I had a little bit of a sore throat and a little bit of congestion. But what I really had was... The sleepies. The, yeah. You will, you will, you're going down and you're staying yeah, down. Same here. It was, it was exhausting. And, um, that was 14 days. I tested positive for 14 days, a full week after not feeling any kind of symptoms right. anymore. I kept testing positive. And that was annoying. <laughs> so we were not, uh, in a place to record, to record a show like you you went out of town we didn't record anything while you were gone you came back you got sick we didn't get it we didn't record anything then then i got sick and we kept on not recording things and then came the oven this insane heat wave oof now if you listen long enough you know we have air conditioning in exactly one room of our apartment yes the bedroom so we've spent 10 days, pretty much. Cloistered. Except for eating, showering, and peeing. <laughs> Doing all of our work, our whole job, everything we could possibly think of to do in the one room with the AC, the bedroom. Trading the bed and the chair back and forth. Like, are you tired of lying on the bed? Would you like to sit in the chair? <laughs> yes. I need to do a little work in the chair on the laptop. I can't do it in the bed. Okay. So we would trade. And then... What a, what a, the, leave the bedroom, it's 95 degrees in the apartment. Yeah. And I was like, well, we can't record anything because the equipment will burn up. Our laptops alone. Yeah. Heat up like little, oh, yeah. little our, hot plates. Yeah, yeah, sitting out here, our laptop, within 30 minutes, it's like, nope, got to go back to the bedroom. I had that stupid column that I write. Nobody has to worry about this column. It's, <laughs> there's no byline, it's. It's a thing. It's a thing, yeah. You know what? You, when you're a writer, you do things for money. Sometimes you don't even have your name on it, and no one cares, and you don't care, and they just send you a check, and that's how it goes. Yes. I had to write that column, and I would work on it 30 minutes at a time, and then close my laptop and bring it into the bedroom again and let it cool down for an hour and then go back out yeah. and write it. Because I had to sit at a desk to mm -hmm. actually write something. 
What I'm, this long, the, the long version is much longer than this. The short version is the one you're getting now. But what a time it has been. Whew. Anyway, our apologies for... Co- COVID is over for us for now. For now. <laughs> if we, unless we get it again. Who knows? And um, Falonzo keeps, you know, uh, misbehaving and flitting, flitting about. Oh, stop it. And then... Um, Look, if I hadn't yeah. gotten it in South Carolina, I'd have gotten it in Venice, probably. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he was planning to go to the Venice Film Festival. I was. That did not happen. To hang with Florence and Harry. Mm-hmm. And... Chris Pine. Chris Pine. Give him all the good facial expressions. <laughs> and, uh, and... So that, did, that didn't go. Nope. This is my favorite moment. Alonso de Radley comes from a family of doctors. One of them said to him, Well, if you're feeling fine after the Paxlovid, uh, you could still go to Venice. <laughs> Meanwhile... Day five, you were still flat on your back. Oh, I, you were I like, not, no, I'm not. I'm not going to Venice. Like, I'm at a point now where I can edit other people's copy mm-hmm. and I can do podcasts. Yeah, I still can't write. Think, anything. yeah, you're not, and you don't have a thinking brain yet. And here's the thing: when I go to Venice, yeah, I eat a lot of gelato, but I'm mainly there to see things and write about them. Right. Yeah. <laughs> and I would have been completely useless, useless. and jet lagged. Yeah. So yeah, yeah just as well died. that I did not <laughs> go to Venice this year. Um so anyway, we're back. And Woo-hoo. it's September. Back to school. <laughs> back to podcasting. I I came to a decision during our time away Mm -hmm. that it would be impossible for us to catch up on films we missed in the past three plus weeks. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I simply decided that as producer of this show, we were going to select whatever we felt like covering that... uh, existed during that moment Mm -hmm. some from before you left for Greenville yeah and some that just opened yeah we have four movies to talk about we're gonna talk about Pinocchio Pinocchio we're gonna talk about Honk for Jesus Save Your Soul Mm mm-hmm Mac and Rita, which yes. I don't think a lot of people even know exists. It kind of came and went. Uh, and Orphan, First Kill. <laughs> Where shall we begin? Orphan, I knew First it. Kill. I knew it. Uh. As, as many of you know, the original uh, film from 2009 called Orphan, is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> Anyone who sees it understands this. Anyone who sees it and doesn't understand that, I don't think you should be allowed to listen to this podcast. <laughs> Stop. I won't. Aesthetic lines of, of, of value need to be drawn in the sand. <laughs> I'm not turning anyone away. And I would, if I were St. Peter at the gates of heaven... <laughs> What did you think of 2009's Orphan? I would say, here is the quiz. The getting into heaven quiz. What is your opinion on the 2009 film Orphan? And the only correct answer, if you want to spend eternity in heaven, 
versus Eternity in H-E double hockey sticks. Which is the line in Pinocchio. Is that Orphan from 2009 is the greatest film of all time. <laughs> Greater than Ohazard Balthazar? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I love you. <laughs> the most <laughs> shamelessly entertaining movies I think oh, I've seen. Oh like, my. there is no depths to which you will not stoop oh, yeah. to thrill an audience. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and thrill it do. Mm. All right. So when I heard that there was a, a sequel slash prequel... Starring the same actress. Yeah. Okay, so uh, 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 Isabel Furman. Isabel Furman. Who, if you have not seen 2021's The Novice, I believe I reviewed it on this program. I want to assert once again, her performance is extraordinary. It is of a piece with her performance in the 2009 film Orphan. You should absolutely go see it, you guys. Isabel Furman back in 2009 was like 11. Yeah. And she played uh, the orphan, mm-hmm. Esther. If you have not seen the 2009 film Orphan, I'm not going to tell you what what happens. Because if I did tell you, I would be a very, very bad person. The element of surprise is not 100% necessary to enjoying it, but it sure does help. The uh, The 2009 film Orphan is conveniently streaming on Paramount+, Plus, which is also where you can find the sequel, Orphan First Kill. All right. Now, Isabel Foreman is uh, like 24, 25. Yeah. And she's playing this same child character. Only younger. Only a little bit younger in this new film that is a prequel yes. to the old film. Now, if you watch the old, you watch the first film and you know the secret, you know the twist, you will. Uh, clearly, if you're a thinking human being, walk into Orphan First Kill with your arms folded. Thinking, how's that going to work? How's this going to work? How, what do you got for me? You already, you, you, you shot, you, you shot your shot yeah. in Orphan. What can you bring to me? How could you possibly? How could you meet it? Make it, it's, uh, make an equally thrilling movie. Make an equally surprising movie. What you got? I was skeptical. OMG, (laughs) y'all. It's insane. (laughs) It is. Yeah. And it is just as shameless in its own way. A week before uh, First Kill came out, friend and neighbor Gary Cotty came over and I said you have never seen Orphan from 2009 the greatest film of all time it is time for you to watch the greatest film of all time Orphan you sat down you watched it too I had also never seen it but you knew what happened because I, I had told you about yes. it back in the day alright but I never experienced 2009's Orphan the shrieks, <laughs> not of terror, but of, of delight. I can't believe I'm watching 
this thing and what's happening in this thing. Yes. Comes next weekend, Orphan First Kill drops. We're back. I'm in South Carolina, and I'm getting this running text feed from both of you individually. Because I'd already seen it. I have never been as delighted to be wrong about what a sequel was going to give me (laughs) than I have with this film. Notice that we're talking around the plot. Yes. uh, Because it's, again, impossible to talk about the plot without kind of giving things away. And, and the, su- the surprises are the draw. Here. You don't want that. Um, it's not just the surprises, though. The performances... Sure, yes. Rewatching yes. Orphan, the first one, with you and Gary, I am reminded that I am watching an 11-year-old child deliver a chilling and also knowing performance. Yeah. Um... I have to this day never seen The Good Son. Eh, this has got The Good Son beaten hands down. Gotcha. All right. When the first time you have an indication that Esther, the orphan, is bad news, she smashes a bird to death. Looks at the fellow children standing next to her who are horrified by what she's just done. And she very coldly says to them, it is in heaven now. And for a child to deliver a line like that, very sort of like nonchalantly like, "Mm, I do this all the time. There should be a cigarette involved. Yes. And in Orphan First Kill, cigarettes do come into play. True, yes. Um, And again... Thrillingly so. (laughs) So I just want to say to the, I want to say to y'all, watch both these films, watch them in the order in which they were made. Yes. Do not. Watch the prequel first. Do not watch the prequel first. You need, uh, you need the full experience. Watch 2009's Orphan. Watch 2022's Orphan First Kill. And let it shape your life going forward. <laughs> that is all. <laughs> I, I, while I'm not necessarily at your level of enthusiasm, I don't. Oh question, yes, you are. I don't question any of this. Like you're right. I mean, you are right. This movie, Julia Stiles. Julia Stiles in this new movie. Uh, as the adoptive mom of Esther the Orphan is... I I confess, I haven't thought of Julia Stiles in years. Like, I don't know what she did before this for a good five years. I don't know where she's been. I don't know what she's been working on. I haven't paid much attention. Now that I have seen this film... My or Julia Stiles. Please. My heart is back in the in the in the in the, in the camp of we love Julia Stiles, <laughs> and I'm sorry I can't tell you what she does. Uh, she was in Hustlers. That's right. She was the interviewer. Yes. 
That was a thankless role, though. Yes. That was like sitting in the chair going, and then what and happened? Then, yeah. <laughs> she's, in an, she's in an Amazon show called The Lake. Okay. Uh, yeah, she works. Okay. Um, but normally, yeah, boy, howdy. Normally, I don't like to talk around a film. I like to at least tell you something of the plot. Sure. But just let yourself go in and not know anything. It's about a child who is bad, 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 very bad. Very I, bad. I, I will say that Orphan First Kill shares some plot DNA with, uh, of all things, Titan. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I'll leave it at that. Yeah. I mean, yes. So, uh, <laughs> I guess we're going to move on. I guess we have to. Orphan First Kill, the greatest film of 2022. Uh, and for other great films and the greatest film since orphan 2009 <laughs> which is the greatest film of all time for other great films this episode is sponsored by ovid orphan is, first kill is not streaming it on is ovid. not streaming on ovid but so many other great films are uh including right now uh costa gavras's eden is west uh, about a uh, handsome refugee uh to western europe who is uh, attempting to it says handsome in the plot description. <laughs> it just made me like. I I'm went, not. My eyebrows. Are I'm like, not. What? I'm not being uh, objectifying okay, you. Yes, he's handsome. Handsome. I don't and know why Elias why is <laughs> as a refugee to Western Europe. It's what it says. This is a. Did y'all see Flea? Last year, year before. Yes, the animated about documentary. Just the the, the heart wrenching situation globally. Yes. About people who are forced to migrate due to any number of political upheaval hideous situations where they live nobody wants to leave their home no nobody wants to take dangerous trips across the globe to try to find a safe place to be to be uprooted and this isn't a new issue yeah. this film is from 2009 and almost as good as orphan <laughs> and of 2009 films. of 2009 films and Equally, you know, to, to, to compare, comparatively, equally sort of, I, when I use words like painful, I know it makes people go, I don't want to watch that. But wrenching. These are, these are films about human experience that are vital for people who are feeling safe where they are to experience. Sure. To understand the experiences of people who don't. If for no other reason than to give you a little bit of empathy, which we seem to be uh, in short supply of lately when it comes to uh, refugees and migrants. This is true. So, uh, uh, Eden is West. Yes. Is a wonderful film that is streaming on Ovid. So uh, is the 1992 comedy In the Soup. Yes, the delightful Alexander Rockwell comedy starring Steve Buscemi and uh, the late great Seymour Cassell. Jennifer Beals also in it. She is Mrs. Rockwell. Um, and this, oh, they're married. I didn't yeah, know they were yeah, married. I believe they still are. This is a film that I remember we premiered back in Dallas. Why don't we just call him Mr. Beals? I, 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 well, bet, he, I bet he's gotten that. <laughs> Just a hunch. Uh, I remember screening this at the USA Film Festival in Dallas back in the day. A very charming uh, part of the sort of first wave of when Sundance movies were really making a footprint, like right after Sex, Lies, and Videotape, so like late 80s, early 90s, that wave of indie yeah. filmmakers. Rockwell, definitely a key player there. 
the success of this film, look at it how how you might, did get him the gig of being one of the four filmmakers yep. to make the anthology movie for Room. There are so many cool character people in this film. Will Patton, Jim Jarmusch, Carol Kane, Stanley Tucci, wow. Debbie Mazar, Sam Rockwell. Like, and this is, again, 1992, so, you know. Uh, Babies. People who, yeah, people who would go on to become much, much, much oh. more uh, well-known. Uh, also, the documentary, Please Debbie Hold Debbie Mazar had already been a well, good, sure, good yes. fellows. Okay, sorry. <laughs> the documentary, Please Hold the Line, about telecom workers in Eastern Europe. Andrew Brujowski's groundbreaking mumblecore film, Funny Haha. Uh, lots of great uh, foreign indie documentary shorts, you name it. They got it at Ovid. Find them at Ovid.tv. Subscribe today. We're into it. We like Ovid because we feel like, you know, there's all these uh, streaming platforms platforms out there right now. And um, so many of them are owned by people who would throw you under a tractor Ugh. if they could. And <laughs> I... Don't. Not even release their own movies, let alone anybody else's. Right, and so go with the go with the independents, please. Yeah. They're, That's they're, all. they're curated. They care. They go out of their way to find you the best stuff. Yeah. Moving on. Moving on. Honk for Jesus. Save your soul. Yes, uh, film that is in theaters and also streaming on Currently, Peacock. Yes. Uh, premiered at Sundance this year. Uh, it stars the great. Regina Hall and the great Sterling K. Brown, and they are uh, the greatest things about this movie, I think. Um, this is from Adama Ebo. It's her first uh, feature. Yes, but yeah. it, it, it is expanded from a short film that was yeah. sort of a proof of concept with these characters. Uh, they, the Hall and Brown play the Childses. They are the, uh, he is the pastor and she is the first lady of a uh, megachurch in the South. It's never really determined where exactly. This church had been huge and successful and prominent. Uh, we come in at a moment where it is none of those things because of a scandal that has rocked the church over the pastor's behavior with certain young adult male parishioners. Uh, and so we see this couple trying to rebuild what they have, get ready for what they think is going to be a big Easter Sunday opening that's going to return the church back to its place in, in uh, the community and return them as well. But obviously... It's not that easy. Um, and while this is all happening, a documentary crew is following them around, and the film switches back and forth between um, intimate moments between the childses that is happening that are happening off camera and what the doc crew is capturing. Yeah. <sighs> Unfortunately, you don't um, get a clear delineation. Yes. Between moments in which we are meant to see them away from the documentary crew and moments during which the documentary crew is meant to be there watching them. Yeah, it depends on how you watch this movie. If you see yeah. it theatrically projected, you will notice the change in aspect ratio that takes place that is meant to delineate the difference between oh, those two things. <laughs> yeah, I watched okay. it on my laptop and completely missed this. I didn't yeah. know it until Ify told me on okay. Max Film that that was how it was set up. Because to me, it all looked the same. And I was like, well, how do we know where we even are? It, putting that aside, even with a delineation between which is what, this movie is <sighs> tackling a subject that 
not only satire has kind of driven into the ground, but like real life has driven into the ground. Yeah. The sexual impropriety and hypocrisy of pious moralists. More than the sexual... Uh, uh, and financial. Hypocrisy, but the financial hypocrisy. Yes. Um, they are... Um, oh, what's the word? Uh, prosperity, prosperity gospel. Prosperity gospel, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, this is a, sh- a film that should have been a limited series. Or a sketch. No, because the sketch couldn't have covered what needed to be covered. I suppose. It should have been a limited series uh, and sold as a drama. Yeah, because the drama works better here than the, the... I'm watching a film that is telling me it's meant to be a comedy. And the comedy is so... Um, based in misery, that it, it hard is hard for me to see what was funny about it. Uh, all I saw was the sadness and the delusion of the characters. To that end, Regina Hall and Sterling K. Brown, I think, they are acting in a drama. Mm-hmm. They're both really giving you everything. Um, And there are a few moments in this film that are just sort of your heart in your throat. Oh, yeah. As you watch them flail and be desperate. And there's a lengthy sequence about midway through where... uh, Lee Curtis, the Stone K. Brown character, is talking to one of the sound guys who's doing working on the documentary. Yeah. And you can tell he is doing his his seduction technique, basically. Like the way that he would talk to the 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 young men in his church that he was attracted to, the way that he would make them feel seen and honored and, you know, respected. And meanwhile, the sound guy, as we learn, is gay. Right. And is openly gay and is comfortably gay and does not have to go through this sort of lengthy charade, this dance that yeah. Lee Curtis does. And when he kind of drops that bomb and Lee Curtis has to like pull back, it's a devastating moment. Like that's an Oscar clip in a better movie. But it's so at odds with the, we're saying a real thing. Oh, wait, is the camera on? I'm smiling and telling you the fake thing now. Right. Right. That That is so like, okay, y'all are... This, Y'all are all better than this, and this movie is better than this, but it keeps doing it. Going back to that scene, um, also contained in that moment is the understanding that the character that Sterling K. Brown is playing is himself unaware what he's... He's unaware of what he's doing. Mm. I think so often we look at, you know closeted men and the and the trouble they get themselves into and we think well you knew exactly what you were doing but one of the aspects of the closet is lying to yourself right and this is a character that has lied to himself so effectively mm, for that so long he's behaving out of instinct and other people can see it but he can't so you, you're right. He was doing his seduction stuff. 
But I guarantee you, from the perspective of that character, it was a, I have to... I, I need this so badly that I'm, I'm almost outside of my body right now mm. trying to figure out a way to tell myself that what I'm doing is something other than what I'm doing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so concurrently, Regina Hall is slowly breaking down and knows on some level that it's over. That it's over. But she keeps watching her husband. And she watches him hyping himself up and hyping up the church and their project that they have going on together. And she thinks, I have nowhere else to go. She never says this. Right. But the look on her face so often in, the, in this film is, I have nowhere else to go. I'm, I am the first lady. I'm committed to being the first lady. She's giving... A similar performance here than that that she gives in Support the Girls, mm. where she feels like hemmed in and not knowing what what step to take next. Having said that about these performances, they are in a film, as we just said, that is formally and tonally weird and muddled and wants to be a comedy but should be allowing itself to go down the road of drama and to be much more uh, nuanced and allowed to take its time. I know I'm supposed to review the thing I saw and not the thing I wish I'd seen, but I wish I'd seen a 10-episode yeah, limited I, series about a church and a, and a pastor and his wife who are... In the middle of a free fall. I think that would have also allowed for a certain sense of like the church community because like you get these segments where there are people on a radio talk show talking about the scandal. And yeah, the, the public is it. talking about it. The public is talking about it. Yeah. But like for this gigantic facility that they manage, no one else seems to work there ever. Right. Like, it, it, like, there's not a cleaning crew. There are no secretaries. There's no, like, there's mention of a board. We never see them. Right. So it's like you constantly have these two people in this huge, huge building, and you're thinking, and like, they're going to jumpstart this bus on their own. Yeah. Which is not a possible. It's, right. It doesn't happen like that. So it just, you know, I, I think, and that sounds like a minor thing, but after a while, you're like, what? Where are the other people? Yeah. Who and like, should I, be I, don't, I don't know if this is like just because it's a COVID movie or yeah. what, but it just, it doesn't scan. Yeah, it, it's not really explained. So uh, Nicole Bahari is always dynamite as she and Confidence play a, a married couple who are co-pastors of a rival church who have sort of stepped in uh, to the vacuum left yeah. behind once the uh, the child's scandal is erupt. And Austin Crute has one scene right. as one of the young men involved in this right. who has a direct face-off with Pastor Childs yeah. that is so intense. Yeah, again. You get these tastes of what this movie could have been, where they could have taken this material, and it just doesn't fit with the rest of it. Yeah, so it's not a bad film. No. It's just not a success. It's I can feel like the formal elements holding Shaking. it, holding it back. Yeah. Um. So you got Peacock. Yeah. Watch it. See what you think yourself. Yeah. Enjoy the performances of nothing else. Regina Hall is a national treasure. Oh, my God. I 
want <laughs> I want everything for her career wise. Yes. Because she can do everything. Yeah. You know. If all you know is Brenda from Scary Movie, you don't know enough. Yeah. Uh, I mean, and Brenda from Scary Movie is great. Don't get she's great. <laughs> she's been put into the Nicole Kidman AMC <laughs> yes, ad on the internet. Which I love. <laughs> but that's, that, that's just a hint of what Regina Hall's got going. Meanwhile, on Disney Plus. They've, Disney has made a live action version of Pinocchio. And when I say live action, <laughs> yeah. I mean it is Tom Hanks and some other actors in you know green screen situations yeah, with a CG, uh, some sets and, a CG Pinocchio and a CG Jiminy Cricket yeah cat fish whale everybody I um box is this in any theaters it's straight to Disney Plus what do we think is the reasoning for straight to Disney because Plus because it sucks <laughs> do you uh, but that uh, I know that's not a rule for anything I, well people have said you can tell that Disney didn't have confidence in this not only did they not send it to theaters they launched it on Disney Plus Day on the same day that they dropped Thor Love and Thunder on Disney Plus. All right. That if they'd had any kind of confidence in Pinocchio, they would have held Thor Love and Thunder back like a week. Or Pinocchio back a week. Something. One yeah. of them. But the, the, I, perhaps, yeah. So, you know, I don't, I don't read those tea leaves on a regular basis. I couldn't say for sure. But this is... Robert Zemeckis. Yeah. Who never met... A zooming action sequence that he didn't want to double shoehorn into a movie, whether it needed it or not. And he always wants one, and he thinks they there. He thinks every film needs multiple uh, uh, sequences like this. Um, It's depressing that the guy who directed Who Framed Roger Rabbit was doing a better job of integrating human actors and animation in 1988 than he is now with far more advanced technology. You know the story of Pinocchio, Geppetto, the woodcarver played by here, Tom Tom Hanks. My my favorite tweet is that this is the second Tom Hanks role this year that should have been played by Christoph Waltz. Maybe. (laughs) Uh, He makes a wooden boy. The wooden boy comes to life. It's a he's a puppet. He's a marionette. He comes to life. He goes on adventures. Treacherous, you know, dangerous adventures, where he learns to be good and to do the right thing, and that in turn turns him into a real boy. At the end, that's the usual. Story. That's the usual story here. It's a little different. I won't spoil what does or does not happen. I will say this, though. Plot-wise. Part of the point of Pinocchio, you know, he is assigned a conscience. The uh, Jiminy Cricket becomes his conscience. But as it, metaphorically speaking, this is about a, about, a, about a young boy learning to make decisions to discern right from wrong. Yes. I almost never got the feeling that Pinocchio had any agency in this movie. No. Every time he makes a mistake and does does the thing that is bad, he's pretty much cornered into it. Like, he tries to go to school, but the schoolmaster won't let him in because he's a wooden puppet. Right. So, of course, he winds up joining the theater. Right. You know, he doesn't want to go to Pleasure Island, but he gets, like, literally scooped up in it, and they basically won't take no for an answer. 
and they try and turn it into some sort of peer pressure metaphor thing. Yeah. So, of course, he goes to Pleasure Island. And it's not course, even a metaphor. They use the term peer pressure. Right, yeah. It's, yeah. it's the text. Uh, 2022 Pleasure Island, by the way, kids are not smoking. No, but it's, otherwise it's the purge. Yeah, it is. It's bananas, and it's upsetting to watch. Um, I thought, no, it, these kids are going to start killing each other. <laughs> Why? It's only because it's a Disney film that they aren't murdering each other right now. Right. Everything They're doing literally everything else to destroy the, the place around them. Yeah. Um, so uh, to me, it's kind of like, uh, how does... How is Pinocchio supposed to learn anything when he is is not like at the rudder of his own ship? You know. Yeah. Monstro is not a whale; it's, it's a, a kaiju. It's a Godzilla. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Um, I uh, narratively, I'd be fine with everything that happened in this version. Mm-hmm. Formally, however, it is dispiriting. To see all of that work that went into it. It's, you're, you're looking at it. You're looking at the screen. You're seeing the hours and hours and hours of labor. Technical craft. On the part of animators. To make a bunch of cuckoo clocks that reference other Disney movies, for yeah. example. Stuff that they didn't decide, right? Those animators who yeah. give their bodies to the project and give their time and their energy and are working on things working on things that that are uh, creatively wrote, aesthetically so. someone else made a decision about yeah and so you you have to admire the technical craft that goes into something like this even as you are rolling your eyes and groaning over the the finished product and what got decided for those people to work on you know, um, the Space Jam two of it all oh. with the cuckoo clocks yes. and the, all the Disney IP that just gets thrown at you like a little winking joke. Mm. Um, the color palette is quite frequently weird when, and I understand what it's meant to be doing. It's meant to be doing, you know, Pinocchio's in danger or there's a sense of unease going on. So the color palette becomes gross <laughs> I can't I can't come up with a better word for this it was like brown yeah Pleasure and, Island is very pukey in yeah um, you know finally he's out on the open sea and, and it's bright and, and, and the and, sun and, and colorful again um, so I understand what's happening but even in the context of using production design to make you feel something when the script isn't trying to make you feel anything, no. the production design can't make up for that. And all it can do is make you feel like you're watching something pointless and unappealing. Yeah. Uh, You've also got, as Jiminy Cricket, you have Joseph Gordon-Levitt doing another accent. Uh, yeah, that's, if, if, you know. you, if you liked his Pepe Le Pew in, uh, in, in The Walk, here you get like some sort of Tennessee Williams. I don't know what he's doing. A little, uh, a little light, a little light uh, diet sort of foghorn leghorn situation. Mm. Yeah. Um, I was thinking Blanche Dubois, but you know, potato. The, potato. the, 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 it's impossible to comp- not to compare it to the, Original to the Disney original film. Disney animated feature, which is 
breathtakingly beautiful. Yeah. Has disturbing in the right ways. A gentle quality. Uh, frightening when the whale comes, but yes. otherwise a gentle quality. Yeah, pleasure that, Island when the, the the transformations happen. That's, yeah. That's terrifying. Yeah. But the overall tone. Yes. Is. A soothing situation. And some of the best songs, which this movie sometimes uses, and then sometimes throws in these terrible new ones. Beautiful songs in the original film, some of which are simply discarded here in favor of new songs that are bad. Yes. Uh, And the, the signature Disney song, When You Wish Upon a Star, is performed in an extremely truncated fashion by Cynthia Erivo, who... Gives it her all. Oh yeah, but she is blameless here. It's 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 like a ninety second version. Well, she's get, in, she's out. She says the main stuff. Bye. You get a little bit of it at the very beginning from Joseph Gordon-Levitt, but again in a very in jokey kind of way. Yes. Because when you wish upon a star is part of the Disney logo. Right. <sighs> it's upsetting. Yeah. Don't bother. Um. And of course. You know, just thinking about (laughs) the childhood mystery that I experienced when I encountered the 1972 (laughs) erotic adventures of Pinocchio. Yikes. I'll go deeper into that one on another episode. Another time. Another episode. But it's a a funny story (laughs) about a real movie. Confused me very much. I'm sure. When I was about seven years old. And then later this year, you know, we're getting... I didn't see it when I was no, seven no, years no, old. No, 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 no. It was a grown-up X-rated yes. movie for, for for horny people who wanted to see a... Who liked fairy tales? Porno or... about puppets. Um, uh, you know we're getting another Pinocchio this year. Go on. Guillermo del Toro's Pinocchio. Oh, really? Yes. We'll be premiering on Netflix before the end of 2022. I mean, th- there's been like, I think the the Elizabeth Weitzman who reviewed it for me, the rap said there's been something like 65 film versions, two featuring Pin- Roberto Benigni. Pinocchio in outer space. Yeah, yeah, yeah all kinds of it. so. <laughs> yeah, so well, so I imagine Del Toro's Pinocchio will be much darker and creepier. And okay, sure, we'll see I how guess. that goes. we'll see how that goes. Yeah. And finally, Mac and Rita. Yes. From Katie Azelton. Yeah. Who we enjoy so much on that... Uh, on the league. The league. And uh, stars Diane Keaton. You might not know this one exists. It, it really did come and go very quickly. Uh, I saw the trailer for it when I went to see Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris. <laughs> so did I. Because they were front-loading Mrs. Harris Goes to Paris with the trailers for... Every movie that you might consider taking your mother to see? Yes. See how they run. I saw the trailer for Mac and Rita, and I thought, oh, Diane Keaton and some antics. Yeah. Uh, Why not? It's a movie that is literally about Diane Keaton's outfits. Why not? (laughs) (laughs) So Elizabeth Lail plays Mac. She uh, She was raised by her grandmother and has always kind of felt an affinity for old lady things and and old lady old lady living. ways yes you know the idea of sitting 
and resting and not being, you know, out at the club all night, but instead having a nice nap and maybe, you know, having some wine with your lady friends. Um, and of course, all of the people her age, her peers are like, what? You're weirdo. What? No, right. you gotta come on. We're gonna, right. we're gonna go see Bad Bunny in a refrigerator behind a Ralph's, you know? Um, so she goes out to Palm Springs to celebrate, uh, her, the impending nuptials of her best friend, Carla, played by Taylor Page. And uh, she goes to a, a past life regression tent run by Simon, Simon Rex. Rex. And uh, when, when confronted with the question of like, who are you? Who, who were you? Who do you want to be? She realizes she wants to be like her grandma. And suddenly she is transformed into Diane Keaton. And uh, is, of course, at first taken aback by this, but then kind of comes to appreciate getting to dress like Diane Keaton and <laughs> getting to have wine with, you know, Taylor Page's mom, Loretta Devine, and her right. pals, right. who are played by uh, Lois Smith and um, uh, Amy, uh, Hill. Amy Hill yeah. and uh, um, uh, Wendy oh, Malick. Wendy Malick, thank, thank you. you. Gosh, where's my head today? I don't know. Anyway, so, uh, you know, meanwhile, Max Agent, who's played by uh, Patty Harrison, keeps calling her with uh, new assignments to do Instagram stuff. Increasingly absurd uh, yes. assignments. Uh, Makes me think Patty Harrison just ad-libbed her, I have a hunch, her yes. whole performance. But basically, uh, Rita, the Diane Keaton persona, becomes as big, if not bigger, of an Instagram influencer than Mac was. Uh, uh, Patty Harrison calls her a glam ma. Yeah. Um, and also, Rita starts getting chummy with Mac's neighbor and dog sitter, whom uh, Mac had always been sort of too shy. I forget the name of the with. actor, but he plays the veterinarian on Schitt's Creek. Dustin Milligan. Yeah, okay. Uh, and he falls for Rita as well he should. Yeah. There are fun ideas here, and this movie doesn't execute any of them very well they, at all. They drop, they drop every ball they have. Yeah. And and when it could become interesting, it pulls it, it pulls with punches. Yeah. You know, you see a moment where Diane Keaton and I've already forgotten Dustin his name. Dustin Milligan. <laughs> they kiss. Yeah. Like, this is going to be a 75-year-old woman and a 30-year-old man having a romance very Harold and Maud situation. Nope. Nope, not going to happen. It, it, it stops right there, and they don't even talk about it again after no. it's happened. And for it a happens. movie that's about, like, Instagram influencing, there's almost no, like, here Evi- are the pictures I am posting that. on yeah. Instagram, which is kind of essential to what's going on here. Um, yeah, and, and oh, my God, the needle drops. This movie has an Relentless. impressive number of, yeah. like, montage to a song, like, over and over and over again. And it... it while those needle drops are happening, again, formal considerations that sink a situation, um, every time they realize they've got nothing going on, they just spin the camera around in a circle. Mm. And it began to physically nauseate me. It was like watching uh, uh, the first Cloverfield. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's, 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 it's a mess. It's a wasted opportunity because there's all these wonderful people in it. Uh, and again, any movie that is basically there to sort of spotlight 
the outfit choices of Diane Keaton because the way that Reed addresses is the way Diane Keaton dresses, which yeah. is like great hats, great overcoats, you know, completely bundled up at all times. Either like <laughs> in Los Angeles, yeah. Either wild combination, which is how like, Diane Keaton dresses. Yes, yeah. You know, and she'll either like she wear, must have personal air conditioning on herself all the time. I guess, or, or she's, maybe she's cold all the I, time. She's one of those women cold all the time. <laughs> but like you know, like 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 big floofy skirts with giant dots on it, going with like a checked plaid right. jacket. It, you know, right. or an all-white ensemble that right. just is that she's killing it with the outfits. <laughs> I wish the movie were up to the level of the outfits. <laughs> I, um, but again, this becomes an, an issue uh, regarding the the plot because this is ostensibly a film about a young woman who wants to do things and look like an old lady, but she really just wants to be herself. But yeah, but see, Diane Keaton doesn't do that. Diane Keaton has, as you said to me after we finished watching the film, she has an idiosyncratic personal style where she always looks amazing and she always looks exactly like Diane Keaton. Right. She doesn't look like an old lady every other se. 75-year-old person out there. She looks like Diane Keaton. You know, she's not wearing grandma clothes. Yeah. She's not you can go to Echo Park <laughs> And see young twenty-five-year-old women wearing grandma clothes, yeah, the, the old and they're doing it intentionally. Yeah. It, you know, but yeah, it, this is sort of like, oh, I want to be, I want to be like an old lady, and you get turned into Iris Apfel, basically. Mm -hmm. It's like, yeah, no, you got turned into this one specific old lady who's really doing it right. right. This is not an, a broad aesthetic that belongs yeah. to anybody else. I um, I wanted, I was. This is this is some Tyra Banks that I'm about to give you. I was rooting for you. We were all rooting for you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I, I wanted this to be better, and it is not. It's uh, yeah. There are moments that, that are amusing. Uh, they don't happen nearly enough. Uh, Taylor Page is the one person in the film who is giving a performance that seems grounded in real life. Mm. She's reacting like a real human being would react to the fantastical situation going on around her. Because as the fantastical situation is going on around her, her best friend has turned into a 75-year-old woman and, and is becoming unreliable for the first time. Right. And, and that's hurting her personally, and so the pain of that is reflected in her performance. And you're thinking, oh, Taylor Page is in a whole other movie right now. Yeah. Um, so anyway... Where behavior and emotions matter. Yeah. Uh, not great. If you're sick on the sofa <laughs> on a Sunday afternoon and it Don't comes... watch this because the camera's spinning around. Oh, that's true. You're right. Uh, you're yeah. sick to your stomach. You're right. Okay. No, not even then. <laughs> Never mind. Forget I mentioned it. Uh, Are we good? Are we, we, have to, we have to get out of here. Yes. Normally, we would read you all some letters. We do have some letters. We have but, some. But we have, uh, we're under a bit of a time constraint. Today. Right. Um, so, we are... Uh, saying goodbye for this episode. Yes. We are back. We'll be back next week with a whole new episode yes. once again. Don't forget that we existed. Yeah. We are here. We're, we are here. We are here. <laughs> we are here. We're not, we're not in a 95 degree apartment with COVID anymore. Ugh. We can podcast again. Hooray. Professionally. Uh, and you know what? If you want even more of this kind of thing, check out our Patreon at patreon.com slash linoleum knife. Uh, starting at a dollar a month, you get all kinds of extra goodies, content, yeah. uh, club meeting, hangouts, all kinds of things. 
We'll, uh, we got to replan the one that we canceled because of COVID. It's true. So we have, we have to double We'll up. knock out like two this month, maybe. maybe. Yeah. Uh, all right. So you guys are great. Thanks for listening. We appreciate it. And we'll be back next time with more. Oh, well, uh, yeah, no, I'll take my other podcast. Next yeah. Time. We're, we're out of here. All right. Until next time. <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs>